0: Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air, online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Caspar. Exploding onto the national scene in 1950 after winning the first ever National Book Award, For the man with the golden arm, Nelson Algren defined post-war American urban fiction with his gritty, brilliant depiction of working-class Chicago. Ernest Hemingway declared him second only to Faulkner. Kurt Vonnegut dubbed him a literary groundbreaker. Hollywood soon came calling, immortalizing his breakout novel with none other than Frank Sinatra in the lead role. There's so much more to this documentary film called Algren. And we're joined today by the director, Michael Kaplan. Michael, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you very much, Mike. As I said to you before we got started, I was not familiar with, uh, with Nelson. But as the film progresses, there are so many people that I was very familiar with and looked up to in a literary sense, in a musical sense, so many different sort of uh, artistic endeavors that he inspired or, or had something to do with. It's really quite a remarkable life. But tell me a little bit about how you got to know him and how you decided you wanted to do this documentary about him.
1: Well, I started in the right place because I was born and raised in Chicago. I grew up on the southeast side of Chicago, which was a working class and middle class neighborhood. Uh, I always knew there were kind of areas in our neighborhood that were a little more dicey, you know, that I was not supposed to go near there were working class bars just you know places i was supposed to just be a little bit more cautious around and of course those always intrigued me <laughs> later on i um when i was about 21 or 22 um i stumbled onto a uh, man with the golden arm Algren's novel from 1950 It was a used paperback copy and I bought it. I was just enthralled because this was the real stuff. This was the Chicago that I knew was out there, but I didn't really know or understand on any kind of a deep level. And uh, from that point, I was just hooked. I was always an Algren fan from that point on. I just knew about the man. I knew about some of his adventures. I knew about his work. It was not a big leap for me being from Chicago and discovering his work to just become a rabid fan of his.
0: Who do you reach out to first in terms of wanting to either be in the film or someone who was kind of a a portal into other parts of his life?
1: Well, meeting Art Shea, who was at the time I met him, uh, 87 years old, an amazing photographer who had taken hundreds of pictures of Nelson Algren. That, to me, was really the, the the portal that started everything. His work was just an essential visualization of Algren and of Algren's work in his life. Once that started, that made everything uh, much easier because I knew I really couldn't make a good documentary about Algren without Archie's work. He
0: touched the lives of Many many people, and as we see as the film unspools, we see how he was a, as you described him, the someone who was was of the of the margins of society. He yeah. gravitated to those people. What is it about his background? What is it about him that you discovered? What is that link? Why why so?
1: Well, it's pretty interesting, and it certainly was not destiny that you would see from the beginning. He grew up in a uh, working class, middle class neighborhood. His his father was a car mechanic. His older sister went to college and then he went to uh, University of Illinois to get a journalism degree in the mid twenties. And his goal was to become a journalist, a working journalist. And then the depression happened. And of course, no one was working at all. And so he ended up on the road, just bumming around. And that was really the start of his experience that really started shaping him, looking at the underclass as people and a world that he wanted to describe. The second thing that really took that to the next level was... After he came back from work, uh, being in World War II, he uh, joined the WPA Writers Project, and that was uh, huge and instrumental, not just for him, but for a lot of really major writers. People like Richard Wright and uh, Studs Terkel, both of whom were good friends of his, and whom he met during that time for the WPA, where they were actually paid to go out and interview people from all types of lives to document who America is. It was an amazing thing. We, we've really never had anything like that since, where the government was really paying artists to document America for America. It's, it's kind of so basic and stunning of a, you know, of a concept that you you can't believe that it's never been done since. But that's really the second thing that got him focused on telling those type of stories.
0: Looking back on American history, the idea of the government as a function of the New Deal in mm-hmm. repairing America and reviving America didn't just focus on the infrastructure, the hard infrastructure of America, but focused on the soft infrastructure of America, the the humanizing part of the American experience.
1: Right. I mean, there was a clear recognition that without the arts and music that what's the point in getting people more economically on their feet if they don't have anything to look forward to. So you have to bring up all sides of America together. You know, something like I said, that is still not really widely done in uh, the United States, but is done in a number of other advanced, you know, industrial nations
0: we're one of the few industrial Western democracies that has, especially in light of our history, as you're describing in the thirties and the forties in the new deal, who has vilified in many ways. And, and for many, many years, the idea of doing what was such an important part of our recovery through from the great depression. It quite,
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it really is stunning. I mean,
1: yeah, it's it's the only word I can think about because it was so effective and so transformative to America. You know, we would not have had that kind of a can-do '50s if we hadn't had the the New Deal that brought us back up in the '30s.
0: Well, let's uh, excuse me. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Michael Kaplan and the director of the documentary film called Algren. It's available through. First Run Feature Films, uh, their website, which you can find by going to filmschoolradio.com. We have all the information, but the uh, the documentary is available through them. Is there another way? Is it on platforms, a video uh, video on demand? Uh,
1: well, First Run Features, you'll find the links to everywhere you okay. know that you want, but you can go to directly to Apple or iTunes. And it's also on a really interesting small platform called Ovid. Ovid, yes. yes. Ovid TV, which has some amazing documentaries, um, so uh, I would recommend checking them out as well.
0: And I'll just throw in a, another good word about Ovid, uh, and that is, it is uh, an aggregate site for a number of distributors, including First Run, yeah, Grasshopper, right. Kim Stem, Bullfrog. There's a number of of other film distributors who contribute to it. It is, it, you're absolutely right. It's a great aggregate site great site for uh, for films of all kinds but particularly documentaries uh, I've had the the uh, founder or the president of o- ovinon and uh, he has a particular interest in documentary films and has made that
1: a, a big part of it yeah no they they have I, I feel like we're in really good company
0: yeah how would you describe his writing nelson's writing in the sense of is it a kind of a Steinbeck approach hmm. who does it re- is there a literary? Precursor to the way he wrote or did he blaze his own kind of trail?
1: You know, the person that he's compared most with stylistically didn't write in English, and that would be Dostoevsky. So uh, Dostoevsky wrote about a similar group of people and wrote about it in a similar kind of lyrical and poetic way. Um, A lot of people who know even know about Algren and his writing assume that it's kind of hard-nosed maybe you know yeah Steinbeck-ish or um, even Hemingway Mm -hmm. you know kind of gritty. Algren was not like that he was a little bit more lyrical and poetic so I would you know he was also often called you know the Dostoevsky of Chicago you know.
0: I'm going to say something I don't know if it's true if it's even relevant to the conversation but As I was hearing what people were saying about him and seeing the the passages in his work that's in the film, it sort of reminded me of musical realm of Mm. Tom Waits, Mm. because Waits seems to write about the people in the margins of society in very lyrical, almost sometimes surreal, but the characters are so strong in his writing as as a songwriter.
1: Well, it's not surprising that Waits consistently mentions Algren as one of his, you know, top five or 10 influences, for sure. He always mentions them. You know, you can you can find that very easily, those links.
0: In the film, we see a lot of wonderful people talking about Nelson Algren, and that would be people like William Friedkin, Russell Banks, Billy Corgan. Philip Kaufman, John Sales, and others. But the voice of Chicago, in my mind, in my opinion, is Studs Turkle. Mm-hmm. So it, it you I don't know if you can do a film with a with it with centered around something to do with Chicago and not have Studs Turkle somehow involved in it. But it's so great to hear his voice. I just reminded me of what an incredible it, yeah. human being he is or was. Well,
1: Nels, um Studs was easily Nelson's number one promoter for sure. He, he just adored him and he adored his work. He would have him on his radio show all the time. I think I found about 20 20 recordings. Studs had passed before we uh, started the film, but thank God for all the uh, archives of uh, Studs radio shows. And um, we did have we did find a couple video recordings of him as well. But yeah, they were two peas in a pod in many, many ways. Uh, Algren was the fictionalized writer of the people that Studs interviewed. You know, they, they really were two approaches to the same group of people.
0: Hey, I love Studs Terkel and, and his, his legacy is so strong and so it's so American, American in the way that he Talks about the people, of uh, uh, that he that he dealt with, that he got to know, and uh, such a humanizing voice. So it's uh, it was terrific to see. I mentioned William Friedkin, uh, Philip Kaufman. It reminds me that much of the work that Nelson Ogren did became fodder, if you will, for Hollywood and for filmmaking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because. Why is it such the, the images are so strong and the yeah. characters are so well developed, or what?
1: Yeah, that's tough. It was they were, I think, yeah, vivid descriptions of worlds that a lot of people were not familiar with or didn't want to be familiar with. You know, One of the great quotes I've gotten in the movie is from Otto Preminger, who made a man with the golden arm, which is one of the things that made Algren hate him which was how come you got to know such terrible people? Otto Preminger had no idea how you would go about meeting these people, but they were fascinating to him because they were quote unquote terrible, but to Algren, they were not terrible at all. They were just people, you know, they were humanity. As far as a walk on the wild side, that took longer to get made, but it, it again, it was just kind of a unique, odd kind of look at 1930s New Orleans told through the people who were again close to the bottom the people who were all hustling the sex workers you know the the alcoholics people just trying to make a living and so people found that fascinating and they they didn't do the book's justice but they were both interesting films on their own i would say
0: yeah a film that reminds me uh, again, as I confessed to you earlier, I wasn't familiar with Nelson Algren. So, but there was a film as I was watching your film that reminded me of the kind of people that he was writing mm. about, mm-hmm. a film called The Exiles. Mm. It, was, it was filmed here in Los Angeles and it was filmed on Bunker Hill mm-hmm. back in the, I want to say the fifties. Are you familiar with the film? Mm-mm. And it's basically, not, no. it was at a time when downtown LA, Bunker Hill area was uh, a preponderance uh, i don't know if there was a majority but preponderance of native americans and they had there was sort of a cluster of them and they hung out in a bar yeah and and it's shot in a way that it, it's almost it's one of those kind of neorealism kind of films Got where it. there's a yeah. there's a thin veneer of a story involved but it's mostly about being in the bar with
1: all of the people that reminds me of another movie called the bowery which was shot in the Bowery in New York. Yes. When it was also, and you can actually watch that on Ovid, another, yeah. you know, kind of a endorsement. Um, and it was very similar, shot in a neorealist style, um, with real people from that neighborhood. Now I'm putting the exiles on my list to uh, of things to watch. So thanks for that. Yeah,
0: you're very well. Yeah, it's a very cool film, and it's really a time capsule, but it's and of LA, but it's also this milieu that that we don't generally have an opportunity to spend any time with well what the reaction to the film has been excellent the reviews have been very very uh good for it i think it's 100% on rotten tomatoes yeah, yeah, yeah. and what has been the feedback from people who i got to believe feel very strongly about nelson algren and would react
1: it, the 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 critical reviews have been fantastic you know, I was always aware from the beginning that there were two major groups of people that I was making this for. And one was for the Algren fans and those. the other was for the Algren novices. And with the fans, I knew that there was no way I was ever going to satisfy everybody. And uh, because it's an hour and a half movie, it's not a 500 page biography. So I inevitably had to leave certain things out And um, generally, if anyone's complained, it's been because I left something out that they thought was important. For the people who knew him that I interviewed, people like Russell Banks, who I just saw last weekend in Albany, New York for a film festival where he and I talked about Algren, he felt like um, what I accomplished was that I created a tone in the movie that was similar to Algren's work. And to me, that was the highest praise I could possibly want because that was exactly what I was trying to do.
0: Have you ever considered or have you been approached or have you heard of anyone doing an updated modern version of his life in a fictionalized feature film?
1: The part of Algren's life that people, there have been multiple attempts to make as a kind of fictionalized version was his uh, longtime affair with Simone de Beauvoir the French feminist and um, that has come up and then gone away multiple times. It's actually something that I'm working on with some people to try and make because it's it's one of the great stories how French feminist in a long-term partnership with Jean-Paul Sartre has this torrid affair with a uh, you know a Chicago writer of who writes about the people at the you know the bottom of the social spectrum. Yeah.
0: Well, good luck. Well, thanks. No, so it
1: it is tremendous. Um, I've also always felt, well, since working on this, that uh, Man with the Golden Arm could be done today as a contemporary movie, too, because unfortunately, there's still people coming back for more who are hooked on drugs and have to struggle like Frankie Machine did in Man with the Golden Arm. So I feel like that actually could be rebooted as well.
0: Congratulations, Michael Kaplan. The film, again, is called Algren, and it is available through first-run feature films. You can go there, but also, as you mentioned, Ovid TV, which I would recommend you check out for a number of other reasons. But it's a great place to go to see some wonderful films. And uh, all the best. I hope when the next film project is ready for the world, I hope you come back and join us again, Michael.
1: I would I would love that, Mike. Thank you very much.